right, what's up, everybody? Great to see you guys. Thanks for being at New Hope today. Uh, man, I, that, I, that's, that's the first time I heard that worship song we just did. Was that amazing or what? I mean, it's gonna ring through my heart and my head for a long, long time. And he's been so faithful and so, so good to us. Even if you don't know him very well yet, uh, he's been so, so good to every single one of us. So man, I'm, I'm gonna let that one uh, reside in my heart for quite a while. Hey, I wanna welcome all the campuses here uh, today as well. Beautiful, crisp fall morning here in North Carolina. Uh, uh, any, any football fans in the house? Anybody playing? Uh, watching college football yesterday, watching NFL today. Well, with football in full swing, you know, there's all kinds of commercials. But you know, you know who I miss? I kind of miss the, those most interesting man in the world commercials. Those out, they made those outlandish claims about this uh, incredibly cool and suave guy that would say things like, uh, he, he bowls overhand. Uh, he can pop a wheelie on a unicycle. If he slaps you on the back, you'll put it on your resume. Uh, sharks have a week dedicated to him. I mean, he is the most interesting man in the world. Now, we're, we're in this series called Grit, and today, I just want to unapologetically talk primarily to the most interesting men of New Hope. So women, I just wanna to say to you, you're welcome. Actually, you can't check out because we're going to talk about things that I am confident that God is going to use in everybody's life. But today, I thought I got a shot. I want to especially talk to guys for a couple of reasons. First of all, I am one. Uh, secondly, you need to know that God sees amazing potential in every single man in this place. And far too few people have told us that growing up. And I just think if we can embrace God's plan for our lives, if we would allow God to put us on the potter's wheel and shape us and mold us and chisel us into the kind of men that he wants us to be, I'm talking about men with integrity and honesty and courage. I'm talking about men that are full of kindness and compassion and tenderness, men that are full of faith and love and grit. A whole lot gets right in our families. A whole lot gets right in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our, in our church. A whole lot gets right in our world. So I just want every man and every woman to know that there is so much potential for greatness in you. It took me quite a while to see that because uh, I always felt growing up less than. I always felt inadequate. I mean, how many, how many of you, like me, were always the shortest kid in the class, the smallest kid in the class? Every class, that's who I was. I was the smallest guy. How many of you would get so fired up to get to go to an amusement park only to see a sign like this that said, you must be this tall to ride this ride, right? I thought to myself, I'll never be that tall to ride that ride. Uh, growing up, I played all kinds of sports and I have all kinds of great memories around the world of athletics and I always felt like an integral part of the team. Uh, but I was never the all-state, five-star, can't-miss prospect. I was never the superstar kid. I, and I was always the smallest guy on every team I ever played, played on. Have you ever seen this picture of seven-foot-seven Taco Fall and Carson Edwards, the point guard for the Celtics? I always felt like that. I always felt so inadequate against all the other giants. And not only was I short, I was also super skinny and weak as well. My freshman year of college, I got to play at a small school, play basketball, and I was this white skinny guy in a white uniform with tall white tube socks that you pulled all the way up to your knees, and I wrapped my knees with white ace bandages, and I had a mop of hair. I looked like a Q-tip. I just did. That's what I looked like. 
In fact, my, my buddies called me Q on the team because I looked like a Q-tip. You know, before all those Avenger movies came out, there, there was a guy who was a subject of a television show that I would watch almost every Friday night as a kid, and I dreamed of someday turning in to the Incredible Hulk with rippling biceps and triceps and pecs and lats and a screaming six-pack. But the reality was, I was looking more and more like another guy I would see every Friday night <laughs> on television. I'm just being honest. I wanted to be a tough guy, man. I wanted to be rugged. I wanted to be like a man of courage. In fact, when I was a little kid, I wanted to be a cowboy because I thought cowboys were the toughest, coolest guys on the planet. I was, I was all about Wild West. Now, at the risk of dating myself totally, I, as a little kid, I grew up kind of idolizing Marshal Matt Dillon, who was on Gunsmoke. He ruled Dodge City. And I'm not sure, but he had something going on with Miss Kitty, who ran the saloon. But he was way too cool to ever say he loved her. He was tall, he was strong, he was brave. I wanted to be like a Marshal Dillon. But as I grew... I felt like Matt Dillon was a little bit too soft of a cowboy. I was looking for somebody with more of an outdoor face, you know, kind of weathered, craggy, tough, tough enough to spit nails. And about that time, a stranger rode into town. No one knew where he came from. No one knew what his name was, just a drifter from the high plains. He was good, he was bad, he was ugly all at the same time. He had about three lines every single movie, but you did not want to mess with Clint Eastwood. And then came uh, the, the Earp Brothers with Doc Holliday. They served up Justice and Tombstone. They had a famous shootout, the OK Corral, where all the guys, they had like a four-day growth and really bad teeth. They all, they all lost. I just thought cowboys were the coolest, like, like John Wayne when I was a little kid. His Oscar-winning portrayal of the, the Rooster Cogburn in the movie True Grit, and then a remake several years ago with Jeff Bridges playing the crotchety old marshal whose heart gets stolen by this little girl, but not stolen enough to take away his true grit. And I guess that's really what it's always been for me. I think I've always just been a fan of, of grit. Now, I like to work hard, always have. I like to sweat. I mean, I, I, uh, you, you've heard of uh, Dirty Jobs with Mike Rowe. You know this guy? Dirtier Jobs with Mike Bro. That's what I'm talking about. I love getting my hands dirty. I love renovating houses. I mean, when I end a day covered in sawdust, it's been a good, good day. And I think my initial love for all that came from my eighth grade shop class. We had this shop teacher who looked like he rode in from a Clint Eastwood movie. And he was like one of the bad guys. He looked like he might have had a rough life. He had a definitely an outdoor face, steely eyes, had this very unique Kentucky accent. He would teach us about the planer and the lathe and the drill press and all the different tools you'd use in, in shop. And I can remember the day he kind of gave us what I would call the sandpaper lecture, where he'd stand up in front of us and go, now boys, right here's your 220 grit. This is the sandpaper you use right before you put your lacquer on your project to get it really, really smooth. Before you get your 220, you gotta get your 150 grit. That gets it down to the place where you can use your 220 grit. Before you get there, you use your 100 grit. That gets it to the point where you can get it down smooth and put all your finishes on it. But before you ever get to that, boys, right here, it's 60 grit. This plow through the rough stuff. And as I think back, that was what I really want to become. More, more than like just a tough guy, more than a you know, rugged, manly man. I want to become a 60 grit 
kind of guy. The kind of man that can plow through the rough stuff, making life smoother for other people in his life. I'm talking about the kind of guy that chases hard after God. The kind of man that won't give up on his family. The kind of man that won't cave in. The kind of man that friends can count on. The kind of man who will follow Jesus no matter how tough life gets. Because gang, that's true grit. The Bible is full of 60 grit men and women. I'm, I'm thinking of guys like Noah, uh, people like Abraham and Sarah, uh, Joseph, uh, Moses, uh, Joshua and Caleb, uh, Deborah, David, Daniel, Esther, Gideon, Nehemiah, Elijah, uh, John the Baptist, Mary, uh, Peter, and the grittiest of all was, was Jesus. I'm talking about people who had true grit, internal toughness. See, here's the deal. You and I can be ripped and rugged on the outside and still lack true grit. So let me just give you a little formula today that's really helped me. Maybe we can kind of remember this throughout the series. Uh, the, the formula is this, G plus R equals IT. Now, as you can see, the formula uses the letters for grit, and you're going, wow, bro, you are a communication genius. No, I'm just, I'm just a slow learner, and I need stuff like this, simple. I need books with pictures and such. This might help you remember as we go along through the series. So let me just give you the result side of the equation first. It's G plus R equals internal toughness. That's what we're after, internal toughness. So if you want that to be true of you, if you want to develop internal toughness, I'm talking about true grit, I'm talking about character, if you want to become a 60 grit kind of man, a 60 grit kind of woman, here's how you get it. The G in the equation stands for grace. Grace. A firm grasp of the grace of God. The radical, relentless, unfailing love of God for you is where this all starts. I'm telling you, it's the stuff a 60 grit people. You talk about a 60 grit guy. There's a guy named Paul. He was formerly known as Saul of Tarsus. And externally, man, he was a tough guy, big, bad, don't mess with me kind of, kind of dude. But then he encountered the grace of Jesus Christ. And he was changed from the inside out. And he went on to become the primary spokesperson to take the good news of God's love all over the known world. And man, would he ever need a huge supply of grit, of internal toughness, because this guy would be beaten, he was stoned, he was shipwrecked, he was falsely accused, he would go hungry, he'd go cold, he was thrown in prison, all because of God's call on his life. And one time he was writing about how he would pray to God about all the tough stuff going on in his life, and he, would, and he wrote about how God would answer back each time he would pray. He said, each time God would say, my grace is all you need. My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's grit. God says, you want to develop internal toughness? Then my grace is all you need. You know, last weekend, Benji introduced us to a letter that this guy, Paul, uh, wrote to a young pastor named Timothy. He was trying to build grit into this young guy, Timothy. And he tells him, he says, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the what? Through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. He says, listen, Timothy, I'm trying to pass along some things to you that have been absolute game changers for me. And one of the biggest things that I have learned is that his grace 
is enough. How you develop strength, how you develop courage, how you develop endurance, how you develop grit through the grace that God gives you in Jesus Christ. I'm telling you guys, when you, when you know that you are deeply loved in spite of the failures in your life, when you know that it's grace and not judgment that defines you, when you know that you are treasured by your creator, when you know that you have been chosen, you've been set apart, you've been given enormous potential, it changes everything. Now, you still may have those times where you feel inadequate, but you will always live in the confident truth that you are not less than. You are gifted, you are unique, you're a wonderfully handcrafted masterpiece. You are a much-loved man, a much-loved woman, a treasured child of the Most High God. His grace is enough. I say it all the time, but I see a lot of men, especially, striving to be something they already are, accepted. And I don't know, maybe, maybe it's because they never lived up to the expectations of their dad or their mom and they've been chasing that elusive attaboy all their life, still running at full speed for approval and significance and acceptance because they just don't know who they are. Men, listen to me for a second. Your past does not define you. What culture says does not define you. Your success does not define you. Your position or your title does not define you. Your looks, your bench press reps, your handyman fishing, beer drinking, or fire building skills. None of that stuff defines who you are as a man. You are a guy that Jesus loves. You're a man with God-given potential for greatness. You are a treasured child of the Most High God, saved by His grace, created in His image to live for His purpose. Let that be enough for you. Here's, here's what Jesus has done for all of us, men and women. And again, this is that gritty guy, Paul, writing. He says, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share the inheritance of his people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves and whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. Here's Paul saying, here's the deal. When we didn't qualify for heaven, guess what? Jesus Christ qualified us. He, he says, you, you came up short but I qualified you. I chose you anyway. I know you're not tall enough. I know you're not big enough, good enough to ride the ride, but you get the ride anyway because I chose you. I qualified you. I rescued you. I transferred you because I love you. Let me tell you about a 60 grit guy. He's one of my best friends in the world. His name is Gordon. And on the surface, he's the most non-gritty, preppy guy you've ever met in your life. Instead of like riding a horse in a Western, he would be like riding a golf cart at Augusta National. He's, he's preppy. He's a neat freak. He's OCD with his clothes and his car. He loves to shop. He can't fix anything in his house. His favorite movie is The Notebook. His second favorite movie is A Walk to Remember. Even has the Mandy Moore soundtrack. He, he brought two cigars on vacation to celebrate Debbie and I's anniversary. Got so sick smoking it, he, he couldn't get out of bed the next day. Now, he's, he's always been a good athlete, but apart from his athletic ability, there is nothing on the surface you would think, there's a gritty guy. But I know very few people with as much internal toughness as Gordon. I mean, the only reason I'm able to say this stuff and tease about, about him, because he doesn't care. He laughs at himself all the time. He is just so refreshingly secure in who he is. And that's amazing considering. When he was a kid, his dad had an affair and took off 
His mom was an alcoholic, the raging kind. So all through junior high and high school, he lived with different friends, just going from house to house. But he has refused to go through his life, like so many do, uh, playing the victim. And years ago, he discovered God's grace. And this guy puts himself in a position every single day to drink from the well of God's overflowing love for him. And as a result, he is an amazing guy. One of the toughest guys that I know. High character, great leader, strong resolve to do the right thing. He's not afraid to make a tough call, not afraid to have a hard conversation, but he's always constantly encouraging other people. He serves the poor. He stands up for the underdog. He loves his wife. He loves his kids. He loves his friend and and the notebook. (laughs) But it's it's when he began to embrace the grace of God when he let that unfailing love of God begin to fill that void that his father had left, his life started changing. And one of my life verses and one of his as well is as Paul again writing in Ephesians 3 says, may you have the power to understand or to grasp as all God's people should, how wide, how, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ that was too great to understand fully. Then, then, if you do that, you'll you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. He's saying, you want to develop an internal toughness? You want to be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God? You want some true grit? It starts by embracing God's high, wide, long, deep love, his grace. So the formula looks like this. Grace plus R equals internal toughness. Now the R stands for reliance, reliance. You know, to feel inadequate is one thing. To admit that you are is quite another. And gang, I've been learning as longer I live, there is power in powerlessness. I don't know who originally said it, but it's been in the margin of my Bible for a long, long time. The greatness of a man is a direct proportion to the measure of his surrender. The greatness of a man, the greatness of a woman is a direct proportion to the measure of their surrender. When you and I finally come to God and we say, I need your help. I need your help to be a good man. God, I need your help to be a good dad. I need your help to be a good husband. When we humble ourselves and say, God, I just need your help to be a good wife, to be a good parent. To be a good kid, a good friend, a good leader. God, Father, I, I, can't, I can't kick this habit on my own. I can't live this life in my own feeble strength, my own puny willpower. I need to rely on a higher power. I need the strength of the everlasting God flowing through my veins. That's when God starts developing true grit within you and me. Check out another thing this gritty guy, Paul, wrote to Timothy from a damp, dark prison cell. He says, Timothy, always remember that Jesus Christ, a descendant of King David, was raised from the dead. This is the good news I preach. And because I preach this good news, I'm suffering. And I've been chained like a criminal. But catch this, Timothy, the word of God cannot be chained. So I am willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those God has chosen. Timothy, always remember, you can't chain an unchainable power. Jesus proved that when he came back from the dead, and that's the power I rely on. Paul also writes these famous words. Sometimes you'll see athletes write it on their shoes, or sometimes they'll put it in the black stuff they put under their eyes. Philippians 4.13, for I can do everything through Christ 
who gives me strength. Here's this gritty guy, Paul, saying, you, you want to know the secret of my life? The secret of my life, the secret of my internal toughness? I've learned there's power in powerlessness. I used to think I was this big and bad, don't need anybody, powerful guy, but I gave up that charade. And now I totally rely on the power of the one who came back from the dead. And I know that Jesus is not only with me, he is in me. So I lean into him every single day. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. You know, since we're doing mathematical equations today, let me give you another little formula that's helped me get a handle on all this. Here it is. Self-reliance plus self-deception equals self-destruction. Self-reliance plus self-deception equals self-destruction. When you go through life trying to project this tough guy image saying, I got this, yeah, I got it. I don't need any help, I got a handle on this, I don't need anybody, I don't need God. I'm telling you just from experience, you're lying to yourself. And this equation will play out every single time. Self-reliance plus self-deception equals self-destruction. Check out what Paul wrote again to the Ephesian church, the church that this young guy, Timothy, was heavily involved in. He said, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Again, Paul's saying, listen, if God can blow the rock off a tomb and give life back to a dead man, he can work through your life too. That power is available to all of us. So why, why would we go through life choosing to do it in our own strength? I mean, why wouldn't we drop our pride and put our ego on a shelf and say, help me, God. I need to rely on a power that is greater than my power. I need your unlimited strength. I need your incredible wisdom. I need your amazing grace every day of my life. The greatness of a man, the greatness of a woman is in direct proportion to the measure of their surrender. When you surrender to a greater power, that's when true grit starts to get built within you. My buddy, John, 60 grit guy. Again, does not fit your typical tough guy profile, but you talk about a guy with true grit. He's a gifted attorney, godly guy, funny guy, quirky guy. He collects vintage toys and vintage lunch boxes, cartoon lunch boxes, all over his office. He's a huge Chicago White Sox fan, only one I know. Uh, he, he has made and giving away so much money through the years. Sponsors mission trips all the time, invests in God's kingdom and his local church all around the world. But a few years ago, he battled throat cancer. Went through a lot of surgery and chemo and radiation, all that. And for him, not to be able to talk was really, really hard because the guy never shuts up. But he had no choice but just be still and listen. And he made the choice to lean into God for daily strength and power. You talk about a guy that has plowed through some really tough stuff. And he's done it with an unbelievably positive attitude, knowing that God has been so, so good to him. And he has touched more people through his battle with cancer. Man, regularly mentors high school students and college students and leads a small group, loves his family, injects laughter into everybody he meets. Plus, he's got his voice back now. It's a little gravelly, but you can't shut him up about the goodness of God. He's a tough guy. 60 grit kind of guy. I think I've told you before about my buddy Keith. In fact, I think we watched his video uh, one weekend, his, his story. He was a guy that was in the porn industry and 
He had all kinds of addictions in his life. He's been clean and sober for six years. In fact, he's taking his six-year chip this Wednesday at AA. I'm really, really proud of him. And uh, he has helped so many guys. God has radically transformed this guy's life. I mean, he's, it's, it's amazing what God has done in his life. Well, he was uh, having a house built in Ventura, California, where we live. And uh, he would stop by and check on the progress. And uh, he said, so one day all these guys were there, like the plumber was there, electrician was there, carpenters were there, roofers were there, I mean, all kinds of guys were there. And they were all sitting around talking about this uh, test you can take online to find your spirit animal. You guys ever done this? You know what I'm talking about? And they were talking about, what, what, which one were you, man? Yeah, I took it the other day. And I, I was a panther. Another guy goes, I was a jaguar. Another guy, I was a lion. Another guy goes, I was a bear, you know, and all this stuff. They turned to, turn to my buddy Keith and go, have you ever done it? He goes, no. He said, y'all go home and take it, man. Come back and tell us what your animal is. He goes, all right. So Keith, Keith calls me up and goes, he goes, I took that test, man. You know what animal I am? I'm a butterfly. <laughs> he goes, I had to go back and tell those tough guys that I wasn't a lion, I wasn't a bear, I was a butterfly. He goes, then I got thinking, that's exactly who I am. He goes, I used to be this old brown, boring caterpillar crawling through the forest, and then one day I surrendered. I surrendered to the pro process of metamorphosis, and God totally changed my life. I've been transforming. Now I'm this high-flying, multicolored, aerodynamical phenomenon, you know? Because I got to tell him, I've been born again, man. God has transformed my life. And the only way that God can transform your life is you to say, you know what, God, help me. And that's what he did. Grace plus reliance equals internal toughness. You know, here's the deal. I, I may never rope and ride I may never have like a weathered face or I know I'm not gonna do a shootout at the OK Corral. <laughs> I, uh, I'll probably never be recruited to play a bad guy in a Western. I know I'll never look like the Incredible Hulk. I'm never gonna have a CrossFit body. I'll never be the arm wrestling champ of my local bar. I know I'm not gonna get into ultimate fighting. That'd be stupid. <laughs> I'd get killed. I mean, I may never ride a Harley. I mean, I may never risk my life fishing for crabs in the northern Atlantic. I, I know I'll never bowl overhand. I'm not going to pop a wheelie on a unicycle. And even though I am tall enough now, I don't even really like roller coasters. <laughs> but God, through his grace and power, is doing something in me I never dreamed would happen. It's a different kind of toughness. It's an internal toughness he's been doing to me. Now, make no mistake, I'm still a big time project. But he's been doing some deep character stuff inside of me. And I'm just telling you, he wants to do it in you too. He wants to turn you into a 60 grit person where you can plow through the tough stuff because life gets tough. But when you rely upon his grace and his power, you do it with endurance and patience and peace and joy and gentleness and self-control. He gives you the resolve and, and, and the courage it takes and the passion and the power to push through stuff. And I'm talking about passion and power that you cannot manufacture on your own. You see, the greatness of a man, the greatness of a woman is in direct proportion to the measure of their surrender. So what do you say we daily surrender to the grace and power of Jesus Christ and let him turn us in to 60 grit men and women? 
Let's pray together. Father, just so grateful that uh, your grace, as Paul wrote, is sufficient. It's enough to know that we are deeply loved and accepted in spite of what we've done, where we've been. Still just blows me away, God. Thank you for your grace. Sometimes, God, we can come into a church service, kind of put it on autopilot and almost even yawn saying amazing grace, but God, it's, it's amazing. It's still amazing. And I, and I pray the truth of that would grab somebody today, that they would know. Maybe there's, a, maybe there's a guy or a gal here today that's just running so fast to be accepted, to be significant and, 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 and to, to find approval. God, I pray that they would just slow down and go, I'm deeply loved by the creator of the universe. He went to a cross to lay down his life to prove his love for me. I'm already accepted. I'm already significant. I'm already, I'm already approved. His grace is enough. I pray, God, that they would grasp your unfailing love for them, to really, really know and experience how deep and wide and long it, it is for them. God, I pray that a lot of us, a lot of us who have tried to project that I don't need any help. I got it. I can handle this. I pray that today would be a day where we throw our hands up like Keith did. To go, I can't do this on my own. I need help. I need to surrender to the process of metamorphosis and be transformed into the person you've always wanted me to be, God. So here I am. I just lay down my ego. I lay down my tough guy, tough gal image and ask you for help. And God, I thank you for the grit that will start to be developed in all of us throughout this series as we surrender to your grace and your power every day. And I pray all this in the name of the grittiest person who ever walked this planet, Jesus Christ, amen.